0: Hi there, everyone. Welcome to episode 141 of See It Shove It. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. Also this week in Oscar Outlook, I look at the state of the races after this weekend's BAFTA awards, and Be Kind Rewind looks at the best actor winner that you voted for. For our featured movies this week, A Musician Overcomes Adversity to Become a Worldwide Success a paramedic uses her power of clairvoyance to protect three vulnerable targets, a couple discover a closer connection through cooking, and a military team relies on help from afar to rescue one of their own. Let's get started. First up, reggae singer Bob Marley sets his sight on healing political divisions through music. This is Bob Marley, One Love. There's a war going on. Oh, I can't bring peace. I can't even get peace from myself. Rise up this morning. Smile with the rising sun. Free little bird. It's by my doorstep. Sometimes, the messenger has to become the message. Bob, I know it's dangerous. but you're the only one who can unite the people. Starring Kingsley ben as the iconic singer, the film is set between the years 1976 and 1978, when Marley is using his influence to coordinate a concert aimed at healing the political rift in Jamaica amidst a violent atmosphere. After an assassination attempt that injures both Marley and his wife Rita, played by Lashana Lynch, the family is forced out of the country for their safety. Rita takes the kids to the United States while Bob opts to retreat to London, where he and his band The Wailers begin recording a new album, an album that would become his iconic record, Exodus. As time goes by, Marley's star rises, and he becomes an international sensation who uses his platform to spread messages of peace, all while dealing with turmoil within his marriage and professional life. When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a shove-it, And I give this film a mild shove it. Okay, so my initial reaction to this was that it was a mild see it, and that is what I posted on Instagram, but the more I sat with it between seeing it and writing this episode, the less I liked it. Narratively, the film is really not about anything. It's just a mishmash of isolated incidents that don't connect with each other in a compelling storyline. There's no tension throughout. There's no deep dive into the intricacies of his marriage. It is implied that he has so many children, many as a result of adulterous affairs, but that's not explored at all. There's no consistent outside force that is working against him throughout, and it all seems to be a collection of isolated vignettes of Bob Marley's life during this time none of which serve a real purpose in bringing a story to the screen. It's almost like the filmmakers were playing it too safe to get that PG-13 rating and leaving out all the juicy details that would have made for a compelling biopic. At the beginning of the film, Marley's son Ziggy introduces it and says that the family is happy with the final product. And fans of Marley may be as well, because it's essentially just a series of karaoke performances. So if you like his music, you'll probably find enough in here to find enjoyable. The performances are all very, very solid, and what caused me to marginally recommend it initially was the performances, especially Kingsley Benadier and Lashana Lynch. But as I was writing this review, I realized that the film really isn't about anything, and that ultimately I can't recommend it. Having visions of the future, she realizes the danger that is right in front of her. This is Madame Webb. New York City is a whole new level of crazy these days. This is an emergency, get off the train. That man's trying to kill you. What? Who are you? What What is going on? I can see the future. Oh, what the hell? She didn't see that coming? That's (laughs) not how it works. I've seen that man before. So who is he? Ezekiel Sims. He was in the Amazon with my mom when she was researching spiders right before she died. Starring Dakota Johnson, Madam Webb tells the story of Cassie, a paramedic whose mother, Constance, was a scientist who, while pregnant with Cassie, explored the Peruvian Amazon in 1973, searching for a rare spider that was known to have healing powers. After she finds the spider, she is confronted by Ezekiel Sims, played by Tahar Rahim. Ezekiel goes through great lengths to get the spider by overpowering Constance in a struggle that leads to her death but not before Native people are able to deliver Cassie. Moving forward to 2003, we meet Cassie, who is a paramedic in New York City. While on an emergency call, an accident sensor flying off a bridge into the river where she discovers her secret powers of having visions of the future. One day, she envisions the deaths of three teenage girls, Julia, Anya, and Maddie, played by Sydney Sweeney, Isabella Merced, and Celeste O'Connor. The three are targeted by Ezekiel because he can also see into the future and sees that these three will be responsible for his death, so he goes on a hunt to kill them before they can do the same to him. Can Cassie save them from impending doom? When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a shove it, and I give this film a... SHOVE IT! If you follow movies, you may have heard that this movie is terrible. It's not completely horrible like what people are saying, but it's also not very good. There are some exciting sequences throughout the film that give a good amount of tension, but the film gets weighed down with a storyline that just isn't very interesting. Also, there are characters played by Adam Scott and Emma Roberts who, I'm sure, connect in some way to the Spider-Man universe. Actually, I just looked it up, and they do connect to Peter Parker. But as a person who is not well-versed in all the superhero lore... I didn't understand their purpose in this film. It's one thing to be an easter egg for fans with deep knowledge of the history. It's another to have these characters take an ample amount of screen time in a story that has nothing to do with them. And well, as far as I could tell, it had nothing to do with them. Also, the acting was not very strong. The three teenagers and Johnson strained to show any emotion throughout. Trust me, the trees in the film The Wizard of Oz were less wooden than those four were in this film. And I said it in my review of the film Anyone But You, and I'll say it again here. Sydney Sweeney is not a good actress, and I will never understand her appeal to many people. As I said before, her acting is the vocal equivalent to an eye roll. You hear a lot about people having superhero fatigue at the movies, and this film does nothing to overcome that. One of the final lines of the film has Johnson saying, The best thing about the future is it hasn't happened yet implying that this is not the last we will see of these characters however based on its box office performance this weekend you don't need to be a clairvoyant to know that that is unlikely to happen next a couple uses food to connect with each other and impress chefs around the world this is the taste of things <laughs> Mm. De vous poser cette Starring Academy Award winner Juliette Binoche and Benoit Magimel, The Taste of Things is based on the 1920 French novel The Passionate Epicure, and tells the story of Dodine Buffon and Eugenie, partners in the kitchen who craft exquisite meals for people to enjoy. Dodine and Eugenie have been working together for 20 years, and they share a connection so strong that Dodine has proposed to her a number of times. Proposals that are always met with Eugenie declining them, preferring to focus their love solely on the food they prepare. She loves what they have at the moment and doesn't want to ruin their connection in the kitchen. It is a feeling that leaves Dodine aching even more for a deeper romantic connection with her. With both being middle-aged and on the cusp of the late... 1800s, Dodine realizes this may be his final chance for love, and he does everything he can to woo her into a relationship. Can he convince Eugénie that they are meant to be together, both in and out of the kitchen? I give this film a... See it. This film was France's official selection for the Best International Feature Oscar, it was a bit of a controversy as it was selected over Anatomy of a Fall in what many perceived as politically motivated, after that film's director, Justine Trier, criticized political leaders. This film failed to make the final cut for nominations, as many prognosticators thought it would. Juliette Binoche was ravishing, as always. I swear, I could watch that woman read a user's manual and think she should be nominated for an Oscar. She's just great in everything she's in, and is one of those actresses whose face is so expressive and captivating whenever she's on screen this film is gorgeous to look at it is beautiful how the director made food a main character shooting the meal preparation scenes with such love and tenderness in fact the opening scene is 38 minutes long and simply shows a meal being prepared the camera never stops and few lines of dialogue are spoken but it is shot so well that you don't even realize that so much time has passed that said I did find the film to be a tad bit slow at times. It was almost as if whenever these characters were out of the kitchen, the film slowed down to a point where I almost lost an interest. Almost. Don't get me wrong, it is a beautiful movie and I do recommend it, but it does have a few dips throughout. However, there is one scene where Dodine is preparing a meal for Eugenie that is stunning and the acting of Binoche Megamel in that scene alone is award-worthy. If you enjoy international films, you may enjoy this one as well. Finally, when a military extraction goes off the rails, an Air Force team must rely on help from home to extract one of their own. This is Land of Bad. He's freaking out. You gotta calm him down. Helicopter is inbound to the evac point. gotta get your ass on the move, son. You gotta move, man. Go on, soldier. You stay in the area! The course, the course. Get up and go! Playboy, where are you? Can't talk right now. Lost comms. Air Force Sergeant JJ Playboy Kinney, played by Liam Hemsworth, is a novice when it comes to military operations. He, along with other members of his team, including Sugar and Bishop, played by Milo Ventimiglia and Ricky Whittle, are deep into an undercover terrorist surveillance when their cover is blown and things go terribly awry, leading Kinney to be separated from the rest and vulnerable to being captured and tormented. Back at home, Captain Eddie Grimm, known as Reaper, played by Oscar winner Russell Crowe, is a drone pilot who is tasked with guiding Kinney away from danger both in human form and missile form so that he can be safely rescued and extracted from the danger. But doing so requires precision as Kinney navigates through one danger after another with terrorists on his trail. Complicating the mission, Kinney is insisting on rescuing a high-priority hostage even if it means he himself becoming a prisoner of war. Working against Time, Reaper must thread the needle to protect Kinney and the surviving members of his troop. Can he do it before it's too late? I give this film a... mild shove-it. There's nothing really special about this movie. It's one of those action war films that is pretty interchangeable with all the subpar ones that came before it. Adding the name actors to it like Russell Crowe and Liam Hemsworth and Milo Ventimiglia did not do anything to elevate this film. That said, it held my attention throughout most of it, but it still wasn't very good. It's not anything that I wish to see again. After about an hour, it really started getting repetitive. Another odd thing about it was the way the film ended. We spend almost two hours focusing on the rescue of Hemsworth's character, and yet the last people we see are not the soldiers we've been spending almost two hours watching in horrible, life-threatening situations. It's almost like they were an afterthought at the end. It was bizarre. I guess if you're into these kind of films, you might enjoy it, but after a while, I just got bored with it. That's it for this week's featured films. To recap, Bob Marley, One Love is in theaters now and is a mild shove-it. Madame Web is in theaters now and is a shove-it. The Taste of Things is in theaters now and is a see-it and Land of Bad is in select theaters now and is a mild shove-it. Now, onto my brief take of some additional movies I've watched in my segment, Quick Picks. The romantic comedy Upgraded is a predictable love story about a woman who pretends to be a prestigious art dealer in order to live a life of fantasy while traveling abroad. It is saved by the charming lead performances of Camila Mendez and Archie Renault, as well as cute supporting performances by Oscar winner Marissa Tomei and Oscar nominee Lena Olin. It is a see-it and can be streamed on Amazon Prime Video. The thriller Altered Reality is about a man who, while dealing with the grief of the mysterious disappearance and death of his daughter, must also deal with a conniving psycho who has infiltrated his family life. You know something is going to be bad when it is clear it has been sitting on the shelf for many years, as indicated by an appearance by Edward Asner, who passed away in 2021. It stars Charles Agron, Saw franchise star Tobin Bell, and Lance Henriksen, and is a huge shove-it. It It is currently playing in theaters. And also this weekend, I went to see the Oscar-nominated short films, and they all ranged from good to great, and you can go to my Instagram and see my ranking of those. Now let's move on to the segment where I let you know the latest titles available for home viewing. It's time for now streaming. The Pod Generation stars the charming Amelia Clark and Oscar nominee Chiwetel Ejiofor about a couple who uses technological pods to grow a family of their own only to face ethical dilemmas along the way. It is rather dull and not very good. It is streaming on Hulu, and to hear my full review, listen to episode 101. One of the more pleasant surprises at the movies this past holiday season was how enjoyable the horror film Thanksgiving was. It gave me vibes of the original Scream film, and I'm glad it was successful enough to spawn a franchise of its own. It is now streaming on Netflix, and to hear my full review, listen to episode 119. And the latest in an endless resume of interchangeable action flicks starring Liam Neeson, Retribution has an interesting concept with terrible execution. It is streaming on Stars beginning Wednesday, February 21st, and to hear my full review, listen to episode 104. <laughs> Now it's time for a quick checkup on the Oscar races. This is Oscar Outlook. So this past weekend, the British Academy Awards were handed out. And each year, they can be a bellwether to what's going to go on with the Oscars. But also, they also have a spotty history um, where they haven't always lined up. For instance, last year, the big winner was All Quiet on the Western Front, while Everything Everywhere All at Once went on to sweep the Oscars, so they weren't on point last year. However, I think they're going to be on point for most of their awards this year. The winners last night were for Best Original Screenplay, Anatomy of the Fall, and in a surprise win, the Adapted Screenplay winner was American Fiction which many were predicting was the one that didn't have a chance to win, mainly because it was its only nomination. Supporting actor and actress were Robert Downey Jr. and Davine Joy Randolph. Best Actor went to Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer. Best Actress was Emma Stone in Poor Things. Um, now remember that Lily Gladstone was not nominated for the BAFTA for Killers of the Flower Moon. So... Um, We don't have any kind of indication of how that race is shaping up based on that win. Best director went to Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer and best picture went to Oppenheimer. So I think while the best actress and best actor, I think are still up in the air. um, Murphy had the home field advantage over Paul Giamatti and Stone was, like I said, not up against Lily Gladstone. So It really is nothing to compare or change my mind about the state of those races. However, I think we are locking it down for Best Original Screenplay for Anatomy of a Fall, as well as the supporting actor and actress. I think Robert Downey Jr. is steamrolling his way to the Oscar, as is Divine Joy Randolph, as is Christopher Nolan for Best Director, and Oppenheimer is truly the one to beat for Best Picture. Um we will get some more clarity this weekend when the Screen Actors Guild hands out their awards on Saturday and the Producers Guild and the Independent Spirit Awards hand their awards out on Sunday. Once SAG and PGA are announced, I will have all the pieces of the puzzle to begin locking in my final predictions. I am also four movies away from having watched all of this year's nominees. Once I'm done with that, I'll be able to tell you my personal choices of which nominee I'd vote for in each category if only I was a member of the Academy. Ah, a boy can dream. Look for that episode in coming weeks. Finally this week, it's time for my segment where I look at films from the past. This is Be Kind, Rewind, Oscar Edition. Leading up to the Oscars, I'm focusing on one of my favorite winners of the past that you chose on my Instagram account. Last week, we covered the Best Supporting Actress with Whoopi Goldberg's win for Ghost. And this week, we focus on the Best Actor category, and your choices were... The winner is Gregory Peck. The winner is... Richard Dreyfuss! And the Oscar goes to... Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. You voted and chose... Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. That means so much to me, thank you. In Kenneth Lonergan's devastating human drama, Manchester by the Sea, Casey Affleck stars as Lee Chandler, a handyman who is living in a basement apartment, living a solitary life. He is severely depressed following a family tragedy for which he carries guilt and blame. Even though he is in no mental condition to do so, he is handed the responsibility of raising his teenage nephew following the sudden death of his brother, he finds himself having to stay in his hometown, the fishing village of Manchester by the Sea, where he must now deal with the past tragedy as well as the fractured relationship with his estranged wife, Randy, played by Michelle Williams in her Oscar nominated role. Released on November 18, 2016, Manchester by the Sea was initially conceived as a project for Matt Damon to direct and John Krasinski to star in, based on Lonergan's script. However, when both actors became unavailable due to other projects, Lonergan stepped in to direct with Damon now as the lead. But with his availability off the table for a year, they moved forward with Damon as producer and Affleck in as Lee. Williams joined the cast, followed by Lucas Hedges, who almost did not get the role due to Lonergan's hesitations with him as an actor. It paid off as Hedges went on to receive an Academy Award nomination as well for his excellent performance. The film went on to earn $79 million on a budget of $9 million and received overwhelmingly positive reviews, with most citing its devastating portrayal of grief. At the Oscars that year, it received six nominations for Best Picture, Best Director for Lonergan, Supporting Actor for Hedges, Supporting Actress for Williams, and Winning Original Screenplay for Lonergan and Best Actor for Affleck. Distributed by Amazon Studios, it was the first movie from a streaming platform to be nominated for Best Picture. Leading up to the awards that year, Affleck was by far the frontrunner for Best Actor. However, during awards season, sexual assault allegations from 2010 resurfaced. With this being the height of the Me Too movement, his campaign was almost derailed. The 2010 lawsuit was eventually settled out of court, and he would address the allegations by acknowledging unprofessional behavior and an abusive environment on the set of his mockumentary I'm Still Here. The women who brought the suit would eventually speak out as well, and his past was beginning to catch up with him. People were split on the issue. One person who was clear in how she felt about the situation was actress Brie Larson, who was blatantly disgusted by the story. Unfortunately for her, having swept the award season the year prior with her Oscar-winning role in the film Room, she would return to award show after award show presenting Affleck with his awards. With the story not going away, there were indications that Affleck might not win the Oscar when, at the Screen Actors Guild Awards that year, Denzel Washington surprised many by winning Best Actor for his role in Fences. But on Oscar night, Affleck overcame Washington, as well as Ryan Gosling for La La Land, Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge, and Viggo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic. Manchester by the Sea can be streamed now on Amazon Prime Video. Next week's Oscar edition of Be Kind Rewind focuses on your pick for Best Actress. The choices were Liza Minnelli for Cabaret, Kathy Bates in Misery, and Jodie Foster in The Silence of the Lambs. Come back to see which one you voted for. That's it for this episode of It or Shove It. As always, I am so appreciative of the time you give me. Thank you so much for listening. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month, and while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family. You can email me at theatershoveit at gmail.com, and follow me on Instagram and letterbox Follow and rate the show wherever you get your podcast. Come back next week to hear reviews of Away Dolls and two-time Oscar winner Hilary Swank in Ordinary Angels. Thanks again for listening. Take care, everyone, and I hope you have a great week. This episode of Cedar Shovett was recorded and produced in Orlando, Florida. Music by Mysterial Music. All rights reserved.